Michael's on. Indeed. And we're live. Oh. Mr. Francois, it's, I mean, Francis, it's lovely to see you. Where have you been and, and why are you looking noir? Are you ill? Have you got the vid again? What's going Always on? Ill. Um, yeah, a bit of the old, uh, bit of the old, uh, the old pandemic hit Berlin. Uh, Jesus Christ, you just got, <laughs> that looks like some kind of hostage video. Um, yeah, I'm in Berlin. Um, we're both fiddling around with the settings on our cameras, by the way, which is why Maybe this looks a little bit strange. Well, I hope uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're prepping the audience for a turn to Alfred Hitchcock-esque style of, of noir, black and white, because we're both a fan of, of basically yeah. kind of minimalism in, in the colour sense, aren't we? Black and white photos yeah. are so much better. Actually, we'll the audience says as well, if, if we'll, let the, we'll let the people, the great unwashed, determine what happens. But if they're... I wonder if you can make this totally black and white, actually. We'll change it. But um, yeah, give us your feedback, guys. Do you like this kind of washed out image? Or must we be fully bright like i'll give you an example of what very colorful tusk would look like or my normal color actually no that's sunburnt tusk yeah um, you know we can we can get it back to this but i quite like the kind of yeah black and white vibes we'll see what the people say mm. yours is very good your image is quality very very good yeah it's the because the uh the wi-fi here is really good as well now i've got new wi-fi put in in uh, berlin so the Berlin Wi-Fi is actually better than anything I've ever had in London, uh, which is interesting. My existential mm. angst has entered the room. Indeed, my favourite Eddie Hearn image ripoff YouTuber, living rent-free in your head. Um, he who conquers himself, he who conquers others is 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 great. Fuck, I don't even know what the quote is. <laughs> he who conquers himself is powerful. He who conquers, he who conquers others is powerful. He who conquers himself is mighty. Um, came um, up, I mean, this this came up a bit in. I think the more I've I've always had a tendency to kind of, you know, have those dark nights of the soul, especially when I go to sleep at night. Sometimes the head's whirring, and you yeah. kind of have this existential angst of what the fuck am I doing in my life, or, or should, I should be here, or comparing, comparing to other people. I think the less, you know, to the, the, the risk of sounding a bit cheesy, the less you're kind of living life on your own terms and the less you're actually pursuing what you really want to do in life and um, fuck what other people think, what you want to do, the more you're going to feel that existential angst and the more you probably need to look inwards and just think, right, what do I really want in this existence? And the, the, the irony is, obviously, we all get into this trying to chase women, thinking they're going to solve all our problems. And once we sleep with a few girls, we realise actually we're just the same guy and there's nothing really solved by any of it. Yeah. But you have to come into this thinking women are going to solve your problems to then do that, to then get better, to have more options, to then realise actually the path to self-enlightenment, self-enlightenment, the path to self-actualization, the path to self-mastery, the path to conquering myself is through not the women, but everything else the women still stay a part of it, but everything else is actually, ironically, probably even more important. Your mission as a man, shall we say, is incredibly important. I've been through, I mean, I don't know, it would be interesting to get your thoughts on when you kind of first decided to be a writer. But to be honest, I mean, really, I've had no direction, self-imposed direction for, you know, for decades of my life. It was just go out, get drunk, try and get laid. There was nothing else to it. And it's it just insane in hindsight. I almost did everything I could to not think about what I wanted. Um, and you just kind of cover it with drink and drugs and women. Um, and, you know, apply myself to this stuff, teaching this stuff. Um, it gave me a lot of direction because it gave me a focus on something I actually really wanted to do. 
there are definitely other things out there that I want to focus my time on. Um, I mean, you know, already doing stuff on the side language wise, but things like fighting, you know, spending more time doing that. There's a number of other things. But I mean, when did you kind of get into deciding you wanted to be a writer? Is it something you kind of fell into or is that? Well, I always wanted really to do that. I mean, I I think um, in terms of those like key passions, those things that are really going to drive your life. James Altucher talks about this, actually, and he says a good way to determine them is to think about things that you really love to do when you were a kid. And those things that you like to do almost between the ages from four, five, six, seven, up to 10, you know, those things actually, I mean, unless it's obviously throwing throwing boogers at the girl in the class. I mean, that's maybe not a good example, but, you know, some of those things, maybe there's something there that actually that was your key passion and that and that is something you can develop as an adult and he says um he has this idea he says list down different things that you're interested in and then see if maybe you can form a career or you can form a direction putting things together so if you're really interested in sports and you also really liked writing then you know could you be a sports writer could you look at writing articles about sports you know doing sports journalism that kind of thing you know so um so yeah, for me, I mean, writing was just something that I really was always interested in. You know, my dad worked in publishing. My dad had done some writing as well. Um, there was always those books at home and all that kind of stuff. So it was that was always sort of sort of central anyway. And I kind of lost that thread for a while. And to, <laughs> to be honest, I kind of lost it again recently because it's only just very recently that I've really started to to do a little bit more writing again on my on my website. But um, yeah, I kind I, of lost I, it. I saw a couple of articles you you sent me over. They were pretty good. Yeah, cheers, man. Um, so I, but for all my, most of my twenties, um, for the reasons that you mentioned, I, I, I wasn't doing anything really that, that I wanted to do other than getting drunk and chasing girls and doing some drugs and things like that. And um, the irony is because we're chasing fleeting hedonistic pleasure, although that should be part of a man's existence or a woman's, yeah, it's not going to provide you long-term stability or happiness, is it? Because you're back to no. square one. Say you get late, it doesn't matter how hot the girl is. Weekend's over, come down's kicked in, she's gone off. You're still the same bloke. So you've still got that that default you return to the default level of however much your life is a mess. You go back to that. And the more your life is a mess, the more you have to chase these hedonistic short-term high yeah. measures to get out of that funk. And the harder you're gonna hit when you return to that, which yeah. is you guys need to realize that. And, and this is my criticism of the old school game guys. I mean, you've, you've obviously been involved in this industry for a while. You were kind of more around it than I was a decade or so ago or longer. And the problem mm-hmm. with the old school game guys, I always bang on about it, but they were faking the value they had, weren't they? They weren't actually cool guys. They weren't actually living an interesting life. And yeah. so they created this kind of idea of game and, you know, three tricks to get any girl into bed. And that was exactly the point. It was a Houdini magic trick of a guy basically with fucking no value. Whose life's so yeah. and it was like let's trick them round into you know trick myself into a bed of a hot girl, but we know that's not a sustainable model for life as a man because yeah. life ends right. So you need other projects, you need bigger things than just women. Um, don't get mm. me wrong, we are chasing girls, we are teaching guys to do the same, and there is All a job in that. And on that kind of fundamental level, you're born, you reproduce, you die. There is no getting away from that. Whether or not you actually shoot your load into a condom or produce baby baby Troys or baby tusks is irrelevant. Um, but you need something else as a man. Humans have actualized enough mentally to know that you can't just do nothing, right? You need yeah. man. You need that cliched mission, don't you? 
Yeah, you do. And the problem with chasing hedonism is I've got a, a mixed relationship with chasing hedonism because in a way, I think there's something kind of noble about it. And you get a lot of very boring people on Twitter and sometimes on YouTube making videos saying, oh, you know, it's all of this masculinity stuff. You know, it's all it's all this uh, sort of, yeah, lift and get up at four in the morning and eat six eggs. And, you know, it's all this kind of quite puritanical stuff. Um, and any idea of having a good time and just enjoying enjoying the central experiences of life is is looked down on as seen as weak and a waste of a complete waste of time. And I've got a very dual sort of perspective on this because on the one hand I kind of agree with them because of the reasons you, that you've just said, but on the other hand there's another part of me that thinks, well, to be honest, you know, we're all on this this planet. It's spinning around. It's it's all a little bit random. It's all kind of a, ultimately you know is there an overarching point to all of this well not really because you're going to die so in a sense it, it, it makes sense to to do things that you want to do and i mean part of that is obviously dating having sex maybe drinking if you're into that you, you know just experiencing all these different things right so i think hedonism gets a bit of a overly bad name from people who are trying to just sound tough on the internet you know it's been like yeah man like the Jocko Willink, you know, yeah, I got up at 3.30 this morning, man, I'm, I've been grinding for 79 hours, that kind of thing. And it's a bit like, well, it's a bit of a pose, isn't it? You know, it's a bit of a, it's just something that makes you look good. You know, what do you actually really want to be doing with your life? Maybe you actually just want to be on a beach partying and meeting some hot girls, you know, if you were honest with yourself. So there's that, but at, at the same time, and this is where the, I've got this real dual sort of perspective on it, I've also lived a life of, of unbridled hedonism, certainly for most of my 20s, when I was just doing sod all, except for drinking and taking drugs and chasing women. And it, it certainly didn't make me happy. It was one of the least happy periods of my entire life. So, so there, there has to be a balance somewhere in between. And I think for me, the balance comes about, or I would like to see the balance come about between, I do some of the essential you know, pleasure, hedonism things that I enjoy, which is you know, meeting women, traveling, I don't know, going to cool places, whatever. Um, but equally, I also actually get pleasure from doing work and sitting down and doing some writing and stuff like that. And so if you can get pleasure from the important stuff as well, then I think you sort of, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Like your, 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 your hedonism can also be directed towards something that's actually valuable as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way of putting it. It is a dual thing. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. I think you need both, don't you? Like many things in life, it's not a black and white, have one and don't have the other. Well, you need both. And it's just about what is the balance there. But ultimately, again, is it even about happiness? I mean, we're getting very existential here. But essentially, we're not really born to be happy, are we? Life, is, happiness. Struggle, life is a pain. You're going to have to make sacrifices when you put your eggs in one basket, you miss another basket. And we both have extreme FOMO on a micro level, mm. like food even, but on a bigger level thinking, oh, fuck, why didn't I dedicate myself to be the fucking fighter? Why didn't I fucking be the rock star or at least attempt it? All these yeah. things that you kind of miss. So it's where, where's the balance with all of that as well? And, and is that a yeah. decision you just have to figure out on your own by thinking? Or is it is there a kind of one size fits all, do you think, that we could recommend? Well, it's well, it's a good point because is is happiness actually a, an achievable end state anyway? Probably, probably not, to be honest, because we all know people who become very successful and movie stars and they've got everything, you know. Many of those people end up end up going into meltdown and going having drug overdoses and committing suicide and all this kind of stuff. So so 
achieving it all and getting the most material success doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to end up being happy, you know. So I'm not sure the happiness, I'm not sure the happiness overall is like this plateau state that you can ever hope to reach. Um, whatever you do, whether you become incredibly successful or whether you just, or whether you dedicate your life to chasing hedonistic pleasures or whether you dedicate your life to grinding and working really hard and doing the right thing. I'm not sure that in either case you'll, you'll reach happiness. I think there'll be moments of happiness. There'll be moments of pleasure. There'll be, there'll be aspects of enjoyment, but I don't believe that you'll reach this end state. I used to think maybe you would. I used to think maybe one day you'll reach this like plateau and you'll be like, ah, oh, finally I've made it. Now I'm happy. Now I'm content. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. You know, because something, something else, and you know, you, you may reach that for a bit and then something else is going to come along and hit you in the face, you know, and then you're down for a bit and then maybe things get better. And, you know, it, it's a it's a it's an up and down ride, I think, for everybody until until, you know, the final the final curtain is called. So then what should it be? Should it be a focus, do you think, on f figure out really rack your brain, try lots of different things and figure out what are the things in life that make you happy and then just do those and forget forget anything else should that be the focus well i guess it may be yeah i mean people talk a lot about legacy don't they and i think legacy is something that we all probably think about you know we'd all like to think oh maybe these maybe people will be watching these world-class existential youtube live streams in many centuries after we've died i mean maybe what will happen is that you know we, our lives will come to an end and then these live streams will be discovered and they'll be played at some retrospective at the you know the the uh, what's the cinema on the on the South Bank, the British Film Institute, and they'll be like, "Oh, look at these look at these guys at the cutting edge of international dating, discussing the the existential issues of of the twenty first century." You know, and then we'll be studied by schoolchildren and stuff like that. I mean, maybe maybe that will happen. Um, sorry, can you imagine? Yeah, but, you know, probably quite likely it will happen. But the, but the thing is, it's not going to matter to us because it's not going to matter to us because we're going to be dead. So, so legacy is sort of like, yes, it's a nice idea. Um, and, you know, this idea of like, yeah, grind. I mean, Rich Cooper always talks about leaving your mark on the world, right? And yeah, grinding and working really hard and creating something of meaning and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And that's fine up to a point. But then when you've caught it, you know, you've caught it. Um, I, I mean, you're not going to know about it, are you? You know, well, Shakespeare is... Poor old Richard Copel with his ejecting trend into his eyeball habit isn't going to last. I mean, his eyes are bulging as it is. They're not. He's not going to last a great deal longer. So we should probably catch him while he's still wriggling, and, uh, and get on his channel. And and actually, do we have to be sat in sports cars, uh, respective sports cars, on the live stream with him? Because obviously, his big thing is sitting in a car and driving seemingly to nowhere. Well, he does a lot in the. He does a lot in the house now, doesn't he? There could be there could be like a parking issue with that, though. If you try to do that in London, you you get into trouble. I think. Well, I was there. always thinking, is it a green screen? And actually, he's just sat with his dick in his hand in a rock. Look, <laughs> he's got these like nice cars just sort of subbed in. Um, I tell you what could be quite fun though, because I was up for I was up for um, originally doing Route sixty six on a motorbike, but I just think I'm too irresponsible and I'll crash and die. So we could right. just get a massive Humvee and just start driving around in that it doesn't have to be be in uh in feminist america it could be in russia we're just driving around a tank like humvee doing live streams from the car which would be quite funny we could do some TikTok style live streams with pickup involved 
trying to catch girls and put them in the Humvee as well, which they'll be Wait able to... are, you, are you basically now, you're basically now reverting to van, to van life. Is that, is that, that's basically what you're saying, isn't it? Is this where this all, all inevitably leads? I'm, I'm reverting kind of a Torero-esque, but with a bit more money. So not a broken down <laughs> wheeler in the middle of the forest. Uh, more of a kind of, you know, armour plated, almost like rapper-esque. I mean, yeah, it's getting a, it's getting a bit confusing. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure really what I want. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a debate that we go through the whole time, isn't it? There's a brilliant book by uh, the TV psychologist who I really recommend guys check out called Happy. It's not a new book. This is quite old now. It's at least a decade old. But I remember reading it and being like, fucking hell, because he's combined. He's obviously a clever guy and he combines a lot of um, kind of his own study because he's a smart guy. He's got a very stoic tint on the world. And then he combines that with kind of lessons from history, bearing in mind that, you know, these concepts, these kind of cliche Latin concepts, which actually hold weight, things like carpe diem, things like memento mori. He talks about death in it a lot. I'd say overall, it's, it's a great way of looking at it. And then he argues that, yeah, is even the point to be happy anyway? And, and it's that balance, isn't it, between us kind of seeking, we're, we're driven by, I guess, pleasure seeking versus avoiding pain. But you can argue flip flip side to that is should we be seeking pain? Because then does that bring you closer to the Elysium of being a kind of an alpha man anyway? Because you can argue mm. everything that other side of the fear barrier or the pain barrier is actually the things that are going to make us happy. So there's yeah. so many mixed nuances with this stuff. I mean, all we really know is going after women is a fucking scary thing. It always has been. It always will be. So. In, on that micro level, I think it's a brilliant way of just testing yourself every day, isn't it? Try and go and speak to a few strangers, enjoy that process. Feel the fear mm. and do it anyway. It's the title of a book that, that could be worth listening yeah. to. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't even know what the point of this live stream is, to be honest. Is it to make us happy? Is it to make us business? Is it to allow us to sit with our dicks in our hands whilst doing a noir kind of saturation? <laughs> in the image? Who knows? Well, my dick is firmly in my hand. Um, I can't. I don't, so well, I how, was it, how was it with working with um, Abercrombie and Fitch's last top model, Mr. M, in, in Berlin? Because <laughs> obviously, we were having a bit of a laugh about this, and I'm sure he'll watch this, but we both like him, obviously. But he's interesting because he's a very prim and proper, you know, banker esque guy. And you've taken him basically to one of the most debauched cities on planet Earth. We've got people shooting up crack in the tube station, and, <laughs> you know, everyone wearing leather. And it's yeah. just like, what a, what, a, what a place to go for Mr. M. So what was that like, taking someone like him to, to somewhere like that? No, it, it was really funny, actually. It was really, it was really good fun. And actually, one of the things that was good about it was that um, it, I was able to, to watch other people around me doing approaching and doing dating in Berlin and seeing that actually some of my experiences here are reflected with them as well so it wasn't just me not that i'm you know and, and again we don't we don't don't want to give the impression in any sense that berlin is not a good city for for dating or day game because the reality is you've got nearly four million people here you've got a ton of hot girls you know there's a this crazy party scene it's and people are having sex here you know there's probably people up there's probably people upstairs having sex right now you know so you did live in a brothel so that would be yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly um, the tills, the tills ringing, so they're probably having sex, and um, yeah, so you know, obviously, obviously, it's doable. However, it, you know, and we were trying to say this on this live stream we did last night. It is slightly more challenging than somewhere like, um, and this is going to vary from person to person, but somewhere like a sort of 
Poland, but even more than that, Ukraine, or, or for, I suppose for us, or Russia, you know, where you go and you get this very warm response. It's, it's not quite like that here. But, and I think a lot of it actually is just to do with the fact that as English blokes and as an American bloke, we don't really have a huge amount of exotic value here, really. I mean, nobody's really particularly impressed. And I think that's probably the first thing. And then there's various cultural things and other stuff. But um, so that was that was good just to see the, the other people sort of um, how they had similar sort of feedback from the market that I'd had in the past. But on top of that, yeah, what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's funny because Mr. Ram is a, is, a, is a great guy incredibly good at game very intelligent very very warm and you know fun fun bloke to be around i i think he's quite sort of i mean he he did work in finance um he's quite uh, uh sort of smart sort of guy you know and I, i'm not sure and, and like you say exactly there are then people smoking crack in the subway i mean it's it's crazy you know they're a bit like burning such a dirty degenerate place for the most part and it was just quite funny that sort of that sort of contrast but um but I think he had a really good time, actually. I think he really enjoyed it. I mean, I don't think I think he um, he acknowledged like we did that that the you know it, it's not like going to because when he went to even when he went to Greece, I think he he did really well in Greece, didn't he? And Greece is quite hard. And it's um, but when he goes to somewhere like I don't know where else were we? You know, like Poland or something. You know, he's done really well, and 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 it's 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 a step up in terms of difficulty here. Um, but I think for the overall experience, he really liked it because we had a great bunch of students as well. Very diverse mixture of people, as always. And um, it was just a blast. It was really, really funny, especially Saturday night, actually, because we ended up doing a session in the evening on Saturday. And we went out around an area called Friedrichshain, which is where all, a lot of the big clubs and things are. And we went around some bars and spa areas there and loads of people out. It was loads of degeneracy going on. It was really, really good. Yeah, because that, that leads on to the next point that we're thinking about doing a repeat performance aren't we we're waiting here to hear back from a few people and, and obviously you've got your dates to consider but we're thinking yes. about one last one in berlin but this one could be quite fun because you said actually because it is so geared around nightlife and craziness and debauchery what might be quite cool is to, to maybe take a select few guys out to something a bit more more noir a bit more edgy a bit more risky, get the leather straps on and you know again get in touch we're not going to necessarily advertise this explicitly but if you are interested in maybe joining the master of seediness himself, Mr. Francis, who knows many a seedy venue like the back of his proverbial hand, then this could be an option. Because I was thinking about popping over and I was actually keen to maybe spend some time with you in Berlin and just charge around and do some more interesting stuff yeah. before I head off to South America. So if anyone is watching this and is interested in maybe exploring some of the alternative spots, we're only going to take maybe a few people with us. Obviously, do some day game approaching, some street game approaching as well, but maybe explore one or two interesting parties. Get in touch, because if the, if the demand is there, then we can make stuff happen. We do listen to what the people want. Yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. Actually, because what happened was on the Friday, we ended up... Uh, what we do normally on these on these boot camps is you'll have a morning session from about 12 till 2.30, and then you'll have an afternoon session from about 4.30 till 7.00. And what we ended up doing on the Friday was actually keeping those times the same because we had one student who had to leave, who had to leave by seven anyway. He was what we would probably would have done otherwise would have made the Friday a late session as well. And in thinking about it now, I think if when we do it again, I think probably maybe the, the Friday and the Saturday at least we will make them late sessions. So you've got a bit of day game, your daytime approach during the day or the mid afternoon, and then you've got 
slightly more of a night game kind of going in gutter game going into the evening game thing in the in the in the evening because it i was going to say it's like night and day and it is literally like night and day but in berlin <laughs> um in the, it's a very different place when the sun goes down let's just say that you know the naughtiness comes out the you know, a lot of hot girls come out that you haven't seen during the daytime because I think they've all been in bed sleeping off the hangovers or having sex. And it's just sort of the naughtiness comes out, the people are out on the streets. There's loads and loads of opportunities. And um, the nighttime may actually be slightly better on balance for approach than, than even the, the middle of the daytime. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar, it's not the same, but similar experience in Split because different kind of kettle of fish there, but in the coastal town in Croatia, during mm. the day, it's just too hot for people to be out. And so yeah. kind of the sessions, the day game approaching would really begin in earnest kind of 7 or 8 p.m. We wouldn't even bother doing stuff before then because it's just not, you've got to adapt to the environment, don't you? And it's just not, yeah. it's just not the point. I mean, I, I remember my first visit to Berlin and it was 3 a.m. and I was prepared to go home. And that ironically, oh, yeah. and people started coming out and I was just like, what yeah. the hell? People going well, out at 3 a.m. Yeah, well, if we get a few guys together, we can definitely do some, you know, some 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 later night ex exploration with a select a select few. But I, yeah, one I thing I will, it will be, it will be a vetted process. We're not just going to bring in mm. anyone because you have to. I think guys have to be kind of willing to explore. Not we're not talking about you know we're we're tying you up in in a dungeon and the safety words banana, but you have to be willing to kind of accept there may be a bit more grittiness and griminess involved. It's not going to be a straight laced day game boot camp. There will be some. I wouldn't say dark triad stuff. We're not going to be sacrificing babies on the altar, but you've got to be a bit more open-minded, should we say, um, well, and, and a bit and also willing to explore clubs and bars rather than necessarily just stick to the street. There will be street stuff involved, but yeah, a bit more, bit more edge to it. This maybe a select group of guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the other thing I would say is, and and we haven't discussed this yet, but I would say probably if we'll do one in the you know uh, sometime in october november that in that quarter the final quarter of the year and i would imagine we probably wouldn't do anything in berlin then for for at least the first quarter of 2022 because you get into january february march and it's just really cold and it's a bit you know it's just not it's not gonna be ideal at that point i would say so probably if we do one and when we do one in the final quarter of the year that's probably going to be it for 2021 i would i would imagine i think that'd be fair to say wouldn't you yeah, I agree. Have you got any New Year's plans? Where do you intend to be for the New Year's? Well, we need to discuss this, don't we, really? Um, I, I haven't made any firm decisions on it yet. So, you know, um, I mean, again, that, that could, I suppose, be an option here, perhaps. But um, there might be some other things. That, that would be great. That, that could be. I mean, that maybe that might be an option because, if again, it might be more of a ticketed event. But there could be potential for some absolute hedonistic debauchery to go down in a good way. <laughs> If yeah. you if you go to the right place, presumably, um, that could be a fascinating one, actually. And and again, because it's we wouldn't necessarily be outside much of the time, would we? Or when we were, no. we'd be wrapped up in our kind of clothes or whatever. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, who knows? It's exciting, actually. I'm, I quite want to be in Berlin at the moment. I'm quite jealous you're there. I'm back in London writing a best man speech for <laughs> a guy getting married, um, which will be. The second time I've stepped up to a Rubicon, it's always a bit nerve-wracking to do it. You stand up in front of people with your proverbial dick in your hands. You're quite vulnerable. <laughs> I think anything in life that allows you or puts you in a position of vulnerability tends to be the highest risk but highest reward, doesn't it? 
I did that yeah. all the way around. Highest reward, you know, but highest risk as well, because you risk making a complete buffoon of yourself. But if you pull it off, then you're hero of the day. And this actually applies to, to lots of things in life. You know, again, jumping outside past the things that hold us back mentally, those fears, I think really when you put yourself on the line, you are vulnerable, whether it's, you know, asking a girl out or going for that kiss or trying to pull her home or telling you actually really like her and you want to see her again, you risk rejection. You risk having basically everything blow up in your face. But ironically, because you're willing to risk that, the emotional reward, if it comes off, is also higher. Um, very applicable to, to a lot of things, I guess, that we focus on. It's all about taking the risk, isn't it? Don't play it safe. What's the SAS motto, the Special Forces motto? He who dares with wins. a stick in his hand wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Somebody saying here, uh, Radar says, I aim for Moscow for New Year, have two weeks holiday left. I mean, that actually, um, and that was something we discussed actually previously, because I think Moscow would be a pretty... Pretty safe. Although the only thing with that is, of course, they celebrate later. So you could be in Moscow on the 31st of December with your dick in your hand and maybe there won't be that much going on um, because they celebrate about a week or so later, don't they? Yeah, Russian New Year's. And often I've heard actually a lot of Russians head off to Prague for their New Year's. Um, I think we were planning on doing a Moscow boot camp, though, weren't we? Heading off and just doing kind of a, an early December boot camp in Moscow to absorb the Christmas markets. Um, because that would be there's yes. something quite picturesque about that. You wrapped up in your fur, drinking a you know a hot herbal tea or a hot glass of mulled wine. You've got the snow kind of piled up around you. Um, maybe there's a bear dancing in the corner. Not dancing bear. We've all seen that. An actual bear, possibly a bear cub if they let them on the street. Maybe Putin's walking past with an armed guard. Probably not. But there'll probably be some people just kind of milling around. And there's that kind of I don't know that romantic image of, of deep snow in Russia. I've never experienced extreme, extreme cold. So for me, that'd be something that'd be quite interesting to see. What yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Like I imagine it being very, very picturesque and very, very textbook storybook Christmas vibe, if that makes sense. It's quite, it's quite good in Russia in the winter as well, because all the girls put their fur coats on. They've all got these kind of cute fur coats, um, which, and they, which they all look quite good. You know, these kind of young girls, but they're wearing these fur coats. It's quite nice. Coach with nothing on underneath. The our Russian friend has clarified. His, his name is actually Big John McCarthy. He's just yeah. changed his, uh, his picture to this dude. New Year's Eve is the biggest celebration in Moscow. Lots of beautiful lights and decorations way before January the sixth. So I well, imagine any time we go in December, it could be okay. Do you know what? Uh, to be honest, um, I I need to just get my um, uh, paperwork sorted out because I think what you'll see is um, if that's the case, then. December the 31st, and then you just stay there and you've got January the 6th as well. It's The whole thing's probably storming. The whole thing's going to be, that whole period's going to be awesome, I think. I think so. Um, it just depends. And what's your, I mean, you're going to be, the, the next big announcement, actually, just to prep people for it, is yourself and Mr. M are going to be running a deluxe, elite level boot camp in the city of all cities. I know we've been kind of slagging it off because we spent time in Russia, but there's no denying that the beauty is still essentially from the same family tree. The apple doesn't mm. drop far from the tree. Kiev, um, you know, the quality of women there is is unbelievable. And you guys are going to run basically because you got on and you think, fuck, let's do this. And there's always a massive demand for Kiev because it is the place that's easy to get into. than yes. Russia, no bees required. And it's cheap as chips. Um, Kiev, yeah, 30th of September to the 3rd of October, I believe. So the Thursday to Sunday. Right, yes. 
Um, yes. A couple of spaces remaining. Guys, if you're watching this and you want to be coached by the legends themselves, Mr. M and, and Troy, get in touch. Send Troy an email or send me an email. As usual, Troy at realtroyfrancis.com is my jamestuss.com. Um, you'll have a blast with us. It is a great place to learn this stuff. Um, we do know places outside of the main street, you know, the equivalent of Oxford yeah. Street where we can be approaching, obviously. Places like shopping centres, we all know most amateur day gamers are like vampires. There seems to be a med imaginary cloves of garlic hanging from the top <laughs> of the box, not allowing people to enter shopping malls. But as I've said many times to guys I've taught, 70% probably of the approaching I do on a personal level was either in coffee shops or in shopping malls because no one's yeah. really there. You know, you've got lots of hot girls hired to be working clothing stores, so do doing nothing, sitting with their proverbial clits in their hands. You've got, <laughs> you've got lots of hot girls sitting in coffee shops, laptops out, doing absolutely nothing, bored shitless, so easy to dance in and out of a coffee shop, check out the menu, which is essentially not looking at the coffee, but looking at the produce on, on, on show, and just thinking, right, okay, if I like that girl, you go over, hey, I was just on my way out, crouch down, so I was just on my way out, had to say, look great. If you get a good reaction, do you mind if I join you for one minute? I've actually got to run, but I've got one minute. Sure, join me, instant date straight away. Complete yeah. gold mine coffee shops, complete gold mine. So many hot girls sitting there, no one on their own, bored shitless. No one's approaching, no one's ever approached their woman in a coffee shop. No one approaching shopping malls. So these are some areas that we'll be taking you to rather than just obviously part of what you, you see with day game is charging around on the street. We all have to walk on the street. But the big mistake guys make is thinking that is all day game is. It's not true. We're talking about social fluidity. We're talking about treating it as your urban playground. Any situation you see the girl in, working in a store, shopping in a store, shopping for groceries, you know, sitting on the bus, sitting on the train at the tube stop, on a plane, the air hostess, the cute girl getting off the plane at the baggage carousel. The woman at the, 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 the police woman, the fireman, not the fireman, the firewoman. They don't exist. Unicorns don't exist. Um, <laughs> all of these situations, you know, this is what we're really talking about. What we're, and as, as myself and Troy have been banging on the drum for, and we will continue to do so, what we're really talking about is being a fucking human being, understanding we're built to be sociable, and what we're really working on is complete total social freedom, plus emotional and social intelligence. To yes. be able to go into any situation and charm people, learn charisma. This is what we teach. Not being the weird pickup guy with the wand, three tricks to get you anyone into bed. But what better place to do it than Kiev, which has an incredible amount of beauty. And as we all know, if you if the scales are different, if you pull a four in Kiev, you've pulled basically a global eight. Yes. Same in Russia. You pull a five in Russia, you're in bed with a nine. Yeah. So there you go. And with beauty. With an abundance of beauty comes the realization that beauty is not a commodity. Therefore, women act normal because they see lots of other hot girls. In fact, if they, they do the other uh, the opposite, which is actually trying to attract male attention, don't they? We see in Russia that men, um, if you're a half good looking guy, foreign guy, you can play that card. You almost get a bit of a free pass, don't you? Because they're like fucking hell. Yes. Like, they're chasing men. It's 55% women in Russia. 40, 40. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really is. And um, and no, Kiev is, is a fantastic place for, for dating, for without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's it's like obviously slightly more accessible than, than Russia because you don't need the visa to get in. And for that reason, you know, more people go and all the rest of it, but with good reason, because the the concentration of beauty there is 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 the, the density of the beauty there is incredible, really. Um 
it, arguably even more than Moscow. I mean, there's obviously this huge, great beauty in Moscow, but you've got a city of 10 million people, and it obviously is going to be dispersed a little bit because you've got the, you know, a lot of the babushkas and everybody there. You have in Kiev as well, but um, Kiev is just one of those places where every every moment your, your head's just suddenly gone massively big. <laughs> That's um, my ego. My ego just landed. <laughs> every time you. Uh, Every time you turn around, you'll see another beautiful woman. You know, it's 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 it is a smorgasbord um, without sounding too unpartridge. So um, so yeah, you should definitely check that out. That's going to be the thirtieth of September to the third of October. So yeah, drop me an email, Troy at realtroyfrancis.com, or drop Tusk an email, and we can we can sort it out. Two seven nine seven. The price five day five, four days five hours coaching. Um, two two point five hour sessions. Throw exactly as you see on the YouTube channel, throwing you in, pushing out your comfort zone, getting into the approach. In any situation, we give you feedback on the verbals, how you sound after each conversation, the actual structure, what to say, and how to say it, how to flirt, this lost art of flirting, mm. um, playful, flirty behavior. We teach you how to do direct day game. It is essentially a superpower. Now, playing devil's advocate, that's not to say all you need is you know, verbal banter. Obviously, all these other elements help. So if you've got your fashion on point, if you're in good shape, if you're decent looking, if your skin's nice, if your teeth are nice, if your nose isn't too big, you know, all these elements, how is your bank balance? How is the life you're living? Is it interesting? All these things play a role. But when you have these elements in place or you're working on getting those better, and you then you then have the social skills, the banter, the chat, as they say, good banter, then you can do some real, real damage and you can basically live a life, you know, a dating life that you didn't think was remotely possible. Um, I look back now and it's almost like we've, we've just talked about this. We're going full circle, aren't we? We're always looking for something more, that hedonistic treadmill. We're never really satisfied with a lot in life. But when I compare myself now and the experiences I've had over the last sort of seven, eight years with approaching compared to the guy that was pre that, I mean, it's a complete world apart. Yeah, um, it's, and it's all through cold approaching, like learning basically social skills, and I think the same to be said with yourself, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it just massively opens up your life in so many ways. I mean, yes, it obviously it improves your dating life massively, and that's the the key draw for most people when they're first coming into this stuff. But just in so many other ways, you know, you, you just meet new people, you meet new friends, you discover new places. It just, it just blows everything open in a way that I can't really think of another way of doing it really. Um get famous. And, yeah, that's that's the only other way. That's the Wheat only waffles. other way. Become famous like Wheat Waffles has done for being a rising star of the I can't pull a muscle community. It's the <laughs> best it's the biggest irony is it's the best way. He's gonna end up with like a million subs, be getting laid like a rock star from not being late <laughs> like a rock star it's the it's the guy is incredibly intelligent it's the ultimate con it's the ultimate hustle he's yeah he'll, he'll, be, he'll be interviewed he'll, he'll get a million subs and then he'll get interviewed on on the mainstream media you know it'd be like piers morgan's life stories so wheat waffles you can't pull a muscle that that's right that's right piers i can't i can't pull a muscle then everyone in the audience the millions of people watching you like wow my god he's he really can't pull a muscle and then all these girls be like i wouldn't mind a bit of that Hundred percent. He'll be getting laid if he carries on with his current trajectory. He'll be getting laid like a rock star in a, in a couple of years. He actually yeah. will. The, the biggest irony is we're banging the drum for actually get better with women. He's saying give the world's going for dogs, don't do a thing, and yet he's going to be the one 
pulling, you know, up to his nuts in guts, and we'll be sitting there with our dicks in our hands. It's the it's the, the world's greatest. We mentioned wheat waffles now, and I think we've already mentioned Tom Torero, haven't we? So well, it had to be done. We just need um, we just need a third character in there, you know, some sort of quite novelty, interesting, quirky character to that we need to bang bang the drums. But yeah, I mean, it's almost akin to someone like Ron Jeremy, who, you know, by his own admission, not a good looking guy. He's actually in a, a lot of trouble now. He's facing multiple sex charges. So God knows what will happen there. But he was a great example of a parody porn star who couldn't pull a muscle outside of porn. Everyone was like this guy, as if he can be in porn because he's so ugly. He's got a tiny dick mm. and he, he looks like shit. And the irony is he's banged mo more women now than all of us put together. You know, and, and as a parody porn star. So, I mean, Wheat Waffles, I, I guarantee it's almost going to be this kind of weird trajectory where he ends up up to his nuts and guards, having not really, uh, somehow, I, I, it's just a, one of these great ironies in life, but it's 100% good. Isn't it, isn't it just strange, though, that we live in a world where you can now become famous, effectively, or you can get, you can garner online fame for not being able to get your dick wet? I mean, it's it, insane. It, this is the world we live in, guys. You know, you can literally become a mini celebrity because you can't get laid. It's it's always it's this realization almost hitting me as I'm yeah as we're talking about it. But it's it's utterly bizarre. I mean, even the other guy, I don't know what he's up to. Face LMS. I mean, his sub count was was fairly high, wasn't it? And it was if any is he is he still active or is he what's he up to? Who's that? Face and LMS, another black film. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I assume he's he's active. I've not really. Uh, I've not been looking at that stuff for a while. I would argue, though. Again, it's, I guess it's symptomatic of, of put your energy into anything, though, and you'll get rewarded um, via attention from the opposite sex. Because even say, you know, jokingly, the Tiddly Winks world champion. I mean, it's not top of the list of sexy careers, but because he's a champion of something, he'll get action, right? So if you find a cause and you're you're very keen on it, and you just as you do as a man, you, you try and progress and get, get more and more powerful and get more and more influence in that thing. You're going to, by default, get action from that, which yeah. is, again, why guys should be doing a career or a job to make themselves money that they're actually passionate about because they're far more likely, A, passionate about, B, good at, because you're far more likely as a guy to actually then achieve success and, by default, have more options anyway with the opposite sex, even if you weren't approaching, just from that kind of power dynamic. And you yeah. get one shot of life, you're only here once. Why not give it a try? Something stupid, something quirky. I mean, you know, it was a bit of a joke, but Fluid Social Sam, he jokingly made a couple of, um, kind of did a bit of recording for rap stuff. And he didn't, he never released it or anything, but he showed it to me and I was thinking it was actually pretty fucking good. He really? could get out there and do some damage. Yeah, you know, or if, you know, I know the guys that are starting to get more into DJing. We met a few guys in the Warsaw meetup who were into DJing. That's a fucking good thing as a side hustle. Something that you enjoy that gives has the element of you can, if you go viral with it, because you only need to get lucky once. A bit like the problem with hitting on girls in Mexico being, you only need to hit on the cartel cartel heads girl once to have you, you, you know, your own head on a spike, unlucky once. The same thing really with life. All you need mm -hmm. to do from the minutes and hours you have on this planet is hit gold one time for something and get rocketed into some sort of mainstream media, and suddenly the options extrapolate. And I mean, look at—I mean, it's not an overnight success, but look at someone like Conor McGregor. He was a bloody painter and decorator in God mm. knows where in Ireland. You're literally on benefits. 
And now yeah. he's the most, he earned the most of any sportsman last year, uh, ever. You know, mm. and it's just absolutely insane because he had got a bit of success and expanded his options and he pounced on it. Now he's like, you know, literally living a billionaire lifestyle. It's utterly, utterly ridiculous. And the, the, the great irony is he's, he's another one of these uh, anti-black pill heightists, right? He's like five foot, five foot seven. I mean, he's basically a mental outlier. outlier. It doesn't matter. He's an outlier. He's famous. He's, <laughs> he's playing them. It's like, <laughs> There's always well, an outlier. Isn't there? But actually, the irony is, if you look at a lot, I'm not saying all successful people are short, but a lot of these very powerful men, your Tom Cruises, your Lewis Hamiltons, your Weekends, they're all basically, you know, be written off by the black belt community as they can't pull a muscle because mm. um, they're mm. height when we all know it's a, 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 a absolute bullshit would would could you then argue because they're small they've had even more drive to try and be successful maybe potentially yes potentially yes um yeah i mean there's just so so many different uh different sort of strands to this isn't there really that, that we're coming out with um peter's asking about eastern europe in the winter though he says is, is it how is it in the winter season is it worth spending some weeks or wait for the summer i mean I know you've got a different view on this, uh, Tusker. For me personally, I think anything up until Christmas is okay, actually, in Europe. I think, you know, October, November, December, I'm not that bothered because, you know, it starts to get more Christmassy. You've got the lights, places like Prague, very, very pretty in Christmas. Even Berlin's got some Christmas markets, um, you know, Poland. I mean, yeah, everywhere, I think, up until Christmas is great. And then as the, as the bells toll for the bringing in of the new year and the grim reality of january hits then everywhere in europe is shit for three months apart, that's how i see it apart from prague in january okay all, all the russians apparently go to prague to celebrate so prague is just a wash with russians going absolutely wild so okay that's interesting, but I think I think in general, um, the the latter part of the year I th I think is okay because um, you've got the Christmassy thing that kicks in, and that's really nice in London as well. You know, you know, London's really great in, at Christmas and stuff. When it gets into January, February, it's you know, it's it, it's not no great shakes. It's probably at that point you should think about maybe getting out of Europe. Um, but you can, you to be honest, you can do damage at any time, really. Um, it's only it's just how much you're prepared to put up with the cold. You know, I, I was. I was in St. Petersburg with, drumroll, Tom Torero um, a couple of years ago in January. And there was literally snow up to, there was just like, I don't know, feet of snow. It was ridiculous. You know, getting over to the, crossing the road to get over to the Galleria was like, it took about two hours because there was so much snow. Um, but it was great. It was fine. It was fun. You know, um, I think it's fine as long as you don't mind a bit of cold weather. And again, you don't need to worry too much because you can go into shopping centers. You can do stuff indoors. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. I personally just prefer going to South America usually because the vibe is just better. I think when the sun's out because people are in a better mood and there's more skin on show and it's just busier. But there's yeah. nothing wrong with going to a, a, you know, as long as it's a reasonable sized place. Nothing wrong with going there in winter. Uh, January and February, I would highly recommend come and join um myself and Thank some of the other guys out in south america we'll be in colombia in january we'll be in february in brazil for carnival yet again march not sure maybe maybe argentina i mean there's, there's just countless options so get on a plane is the main thing and come out while myself and mr francis are still alive and still kicking <laughs> still doing stuff because one day we won't be um 
Yeah, Geo Max, we still got time, guys. Trust, there's a motivational speech of you doing the rounds. I shed a tear to it. Well, that's news to me. God knows. I hope it's not just me saying, get your dick out of your hand, and then they put some sort of beat over the back of it. Actually, I do <laughs> hope. <laughs> that would be amazing. That could, that could be your little quirk of fate that gets you international stardom. Yeah, because it's like, like crazy. You heard that, get your dick out of your hand. Have you heard that dick in your hand track? It's fucking banging, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? The video title sounds like a quote. It is from Lao Tzu. Google him. L-A-O. New words. T-Z-U, I believe. I'm not sure if he's related to Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, but he's also got some pretty cool motivational quotes. Troy equals the goat. He is indeed. And we have goat emojis piling through. Zing. Will you go oh, more like the palm of his hand. Hand. He said he knows it like the back of his hand. He said more like the palm of his hand, which I think uh, is Ah, there he goes. He's here all night. Uh, Michael, will you go to Ukraine or Belarus anytime soon? Yes. End of September, there is a boot camp running. Mr. M and Troy, a uh, couple of space available. Get in touch and we will have a chat with you and see if it's a good fit. Mr. Gammon says, just want to say I met a beautiful woman on the street while I cold approach. Thank you, James, for my coaching and telling me to smash out the reps for the first time. In my life, I'm happy with life. That's great. But we all know you've missed the boat because happiness isn't the goal. Oh, mixed message. He's going to be scratching his head. Going, what does <laughs> mean? But that's all we do. We love a good mixed message. Um, what else we got? What's the Napoleon syndrome? Oh, because you're small, you have to be successful. Yeah, yeah. It's worth noting that these men exist. So it begs the question, their male ancestors did something right. I think he's talking about short guys or um maybe ron jeremy <laughs> ron jeremy exists so i mean he's... he he's a great example of a guy who has had more puts than most people's had hot dinners yet he's got every every reason he should not go anywhere near any hot girls ever i mean he yeah. was very short ugly fat it's just how much do you want something because i do believe if you really really want something you can make it happen to a large degree would you agree yeah. with that yeah, no, I think I think um, so. I think so. I, I really do. Um, and, you know, people will say, yeah, well, these are outliers and blah, blah, blah. But yes, they were outliers, but they still made it happen, right? Um, so, and, and I think it does come down to that desire. I think if you want something badly enough, you'll find any way. I think it's a desire, isn't it? It's that Nietzsche-esque why, and you overcome any what, anyhow. Ron Jeremy clearly was so, I mean, I don't know his backstory, but he was clearly so fucked off with not getting laid that he was like fuck it i'll just go into porn and he just obviously yeah. probably went along to a number of auditions probably lot they got laughed out of the studio and then probably saw him and just went as a joke let's do it and then lo and behold ten thousand women later he's the one laughing yeah. so yeah. i do believe if there is a world as a way if something's really 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 important enough for you to do you will find uh, we are as human beings are incredibly resourceful we will find the way we will find that way. But that's why it's super important to really list out in life what you really, 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 really fucking want. And if you do, you will get there because it's been done before and it can be done again. And it can't be that outrageous. Yeah. It can't be that outrageous. It can't, we're not saying fucking build a spaceship and compete with Basos and race to Mars. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys who get in touch with us, their goals are far more human. Like, oh, yes. I want to be dating two or three new girls a week. That's fucking possible. Oh, fuck. I want to be, you know, sleeping with a new girl every night. That is fucking possible. These aren't big, yeah. dangerous, hard aims. They just require some fucking commitment and some fucking effort. 
yeah. um, and to go after it without any issue, really. Yeah, yeah. Taking exactly. a dump at work is so uncomfortable. Try taking a dump as you're doing a live stream. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right, thank you. Um, any final that's thoughts? Really? Look, at, look at that. Look at that black and white. Oh, that's cool. I actually, that's the best one you've done so far. I just look like a cancer patient. You actually have made <laughs> it more like kind of art housey, quite cool, quite cool vibes. Oh, that's quite we have a question from Michael Lads. We've got open Q and A now for seven minutes until the live stream ends. We're going to end on the hour, so seven minutes. Open Q and A. Ask us anything. We will answer them. Michael says, "Do you think Western women in general are becoming incompatible in long-term relationships with the rise of feminism and women prioritizing careers?" I think they should get back to the bloody kitchen where they belong, get their aprons on, and make me a nice hot pot. <laughs> no, I don't think that. I don't think that. that, that well, I'm not sure hot pot, the most overrated <laughs> of all dishes. A toad in the hole. She could make me a nice toad in the hole and pipe down. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's quite a general question, isn't it? Um, I mean, if you're looking, if you're obviously going to find every shade of grey with women's personalities. You may find some girls that are a beauty of uh, a combination of beauty and intelligence, but also an extremely career-driven because they just kind of want. They've got that ambitious streak in them in their genetic makeup. Maybe they're not going to be if you want a stay-at-home girl, the right girl for you. But this is why it's important to map out what you really want from women. There are plenty of Western women who don't give a shit about their careers. They're doing a job for the sake of doing a job. They essentially want the guy to be a breadwinner. And there's everything in between. So I think generalization, broad brush generalizations are always dangerous. It's about figuring out what you want and then finding girls that match that template. And there are four billion of them. So you will find one. But yeah. it's important to know what you want. The other thing, the only other observation I would make about that is to say that um, in in Moscow, for example, the women that we're meeting in Moscow, most of them have jobs and careers, and they're pretty serious about their careers. I mean, I, I don't from from our very superficial examination of the country, I don't think that the women in Russia are horrifically oppressed or anything like that. They all seem to be, you know, they're out earning money, they're doing their own thing, they they're all they're all educated. They're you know, as I say, many of them have got jobs, very good jobs, you know, good careers and all this kind of stuff. Um, but so 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 it's it's not that I think that's the issue. I think the issue because but but in in Moscow in particular there seems to be more of a kind of an innocence and a sweetness um, when between the genders that you perhaps get a little bit less in somewhere like London or New York. So I yeah. don't think it's about, I don't, I genuinely, I don't think it's about, oh, you know, women prioritizing careers. I, I don't think, I think that's a bit of a red herring. I think it's more, something more deep in the culture that's causing the problem. Well, I think, I think women are almost entitled to be a bit ball breakery in the West because I think men are absolute pussies. And I think we are soft as fuck. And I think that's caused them to have to be more leadershipy, more taking a masculine role. I actually don't mm. think it, you know, it's necessarily anyone's fault apart from men being a bit soft. Because the, the harder you are as a guy, I believe, the tougher you are in, in some ways. That's not saying you, you have to be this two-day alpha, but you know, comfortable with yourself. You've, you've got your, your, your life in order. You've got your chips and ducks in a row. And you lead and you're a masculine guy. The more feminine that allows the girl to be. So you could get a ball breakery tough. Terraria used to talk about this, didn't he? But you could get these tough ball breakery masculine women. But if you kind of out masculine them and show them that you're actually boss, not in a sexist way, but in a leading way, in a kind of 
yin and yang kind of way, it allows them to really relax and be super soft and feminine because they're craving that side. So, yeah, again, it's, it's just very easy to generalize, isn't it? Being like feminism is toxic. I was having this, this chat on a call actually this morning saying, actually, we talked about this, but the flip side of feminism is if you want short term flings, it's a beautiful thing because you yes. go to Scandinavia and women are incredibly sexually empowered and they can bang around with no judgment. And so places like Oslo, Helsinki, Stockholm, you can have an absolute riot as a guy. You can bang loads of girls and no one cares because the yeah. women are massively sexually empowered because of feminism. So in a short time mating strategy level, feminism is actually a blessing if that's what you're looking for. Would I marry mm -hmm. a girl with a 200 you know, plus sausage count? Probably not. And it's not because I'm judging her for doing it, but it's just thinking, right, okay, in her mind, is sex that big a deal? Probably not. Are the odds of her cheating in future high? Possibly. Has it kind of messed around mentally? Because women should be the, the choosier sex. Yes, uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm just being a sexist guy. I think there's a, yeah, there's a distinction as well between, I, I, think, I think it's called the first wave of feminism or the second wave of feminism and whatever, the, whatever it is now, you know, third wave feminism. In the sense that equality, I don't think is, I don't think should be an issue for for anybody really. I think that's a no-brainer. I, I think you know, I think women were disadvantaged in many ways, and the playing field has been has been leveled out. And I think that's a good thing. I don't, I, I don't think anybody should really complain about that. I think, I think there does feel like there's perhaps a bit of overreach in some areas, and I, you know, in particularly in the West, and I think that's that's more concerning because um, most girls. If you meet girls in, again in Russia, they will say, oh, you're a feminist. They'll sort of say, well, no, not really. Or they'll say, well, kind of, you know, in the sense that, yeah, I think women should, should have, you know, equal rights and things like that. But I don't think that they are as suspicious of guys. I don't think they're as suspicious of men and perhaps as, you know, re re resentful towards men as, as you sometimes get in some of these Western countries. Again, I think it comes down to that Cirque's fear of control, doesn't it? It's like, why bother wasting your energy ranting about it? Why not just go and spend time with girls that you feel are yeah. not infected with feminism, right? And it's, again, it's very easy to get on a plane. But there is a culture in, in the world in which we live where we want to sit around with our dicks in our hands and complain because we yes. feel it releases chemicals in the brain. It also requires no effort. People don't like people avoid painful stuff. People avoid facing their fears because it is painful. It takes effort. And so it's a sexy message to just put down women, isn't it? And just say, oh, the world's going for dogs, oh, oh, dating shit. It's a sexy message to buy into because you don't have to do anything. And you've got yeah. all these guys who can just sit there with all in a line with your proverbial dicks in your hands, um, <laughs> not doing anything about the situation. So that's why it's an appealing message. Um, but again, it's not going to do you any favors just sitting there whinging and saying, oh, fuck women. You know, it's not going to do you. Any you should understand this stuff. I've always said it. The guy that Troy does rule zero with many of you would have heard of Mr. Tomasi. His book, The Rational Male, is brilliant for spelling out things like men peak at 38 in terms of their value to women. Women typically have party years between the age of 18, and 23. So they're going to be more up for promiscuous shit generally lessons like this that guys should understand is very healthy but the danger with reading too much red pill material is you just sit there thinking right fuck women and it makes you very bitter acts a complete repellent to women they can smell men who don't like women and they don't want any part of them so this is why you need to balance it with action taking actually figuring out right what type of girls do i like and how do i want my dating life to look like and those are really the two fundamental questions within your control you can control and forget the rest forget the rest it's just white noise and blur it means nothing.
this is a question from Louis, Mr. Francis. We were just in Warsaw recently. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think so. And this is something that we've discussed. It's this, this age-old question about, do you say to her, yeah, I'm just here for two days, so do you want to meet me tomorrow? And, you know, effectively, let's bang. Or, or do you, you know, would you get a better overall result if you gave the impression or if you were going to be in the country for longer and you weren't just there as a sort of fly-by-night kind of person. I think it's not so much <sighs> tourists as such. I think it's just they are often, Mr. M was talking about this actually um, here, They the girls would, that he approached would often say, so how long what, How long are you here for? And when he said, well, I'm, I'm here for two nights or three nights, then he would see them losing interest because of that in some cases, not in every case, but in some cases. So you do have to balance your strategy a little bit and kind of just have a think about it. I don't think we've come to a definitive answer on this one yet, really. I can um, progress. And I think it again, depends on the girl in question. She might have just broken up with a guy. She's looking for a short term fling. Doesn't matter if you're there for a long time or yeah. you, you, you game a you know, 30 year old woman who's looking to settle down. She's going to screen you out because she doesn't want fast sex. So I think it's a case-by-case -case basis, but just to elaborate on what Louis said, I find in Greece in general, you get no value from being a foreigner. They actually prefer local men. So Crete, if you weren't doing much damage, that's why. Uh, Warsaw, Poland, you are actually attractive if you're a foreigner. Women do seem to like foreign men. So there's nuances within that as well. And obviously different women have different preferences for nationality, different skin color. There's a number of nuances. Again, it's a very... The danger with all this stuff is we want to broad brush it, don't we? Because we want to give guys principles and ideas that they can use in their situation. But the danger with all that is, is it just ignores so many factors uh, in each interaction and each person. Um, it is what it is. So we will continue to pump out mixed messages to confuse all of them. Or will we? Yeah, we might. Um. Any final thoughts, Mr. Francis, before well, we hot and, steamy says, hot, hot and steamy says, a few months back, you lads went to a high-end nightclub, I think, in Russia. How was it? You did a video just before you went in full, but I didn't catch anything after that. We did, but he's got blown out, blown out like a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> there, were two, there, were two, there were two instances in, in recent memory we went to a high-end club. There was, most recently, Yekaterinburg, big city near the, near the, between Siberia and the Ural Mountains, three million people in the middle of a vast wasteland hilariously to have a city there it's brilliant um we went to a club with our favorite russian double agent big john mccarthy and it was 70 percent women inside and literally 20 30 percent men um the ratios were through the roof was it a bit of a false paradise you're not going to go, go in there and start orgying with everyone on the dance floor so there is that element of okay just because there's loads of hot girls doesn't necessarily mean much but again just basic, you know, scarcity and abundance principles being one of 20% of men in a club of 70% of women, it, it paid dividends in the sense that women want to interact with you because you're, there's a shortage of guys. The problem we found with that, the flip side to it playing devil's advocate was we were like wanting to approach a lot, weren't we? But we were very aware that women are very hyper aware of what's going on. So we knew if we approached one girl, because we're in such a scarce you know, minority of men in there and we're the only foreigners, there is that element of you kind of get spotted, don't you, a bit? like, And you can't just spam approach because women yes. are actually seeing what you're doing. And if they see you get blown out by three different women, they want no part of you, essentially. Yes. So that was the kind of the, 
the colliery to it, which was kind of a bit of a we had to kind of nego- we had to be a bit more sniperish, I guess, with with how yeah. we were approaching. Yeah, yeah, more low key. Yeah, Alexis is is doubling down. He says, I strongly suspect that through recent travel approaching experience, 20-odd approaches, that there's a bias against tourists and non-natives when approaching abroad. You guys never address this issue. Well, I mean, firstly, 20 approaches isn't really that many. I mean, Mr. M's doing about 20 approaches a a day. Um, So it's not a huge sample size. But, I mean, it's such a nuanced question. I mean, we... We wouldn't have, Tusk wouldn't have a whole channel about travel and dating if there was a blanket bias against tourists and non-natives. When I mean, are we talking the whole world? Because obviously we know that's not true because we know places like Thailand are easier for, for Caucasian guys. We know places like the Philippines, okay? But we also, and, we've, got to, we've got to bear in mind that every every single, you know, minus probably two or three girls in the UK, every single very, very good looking girl I've got with has been on tour in different countries. So well, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, this is the, the... from an Evo site from an Evo site perspective. Um, actually, approach foreigners approaching is gives you should give you a plus point. If you if you read Sperm Wars, he talks about it in this. He says he says a woman is more likely to have casual sex with a man from another tribe coming into her tribe because it means that there's genetic diversity introduced, which is good for the species. So actually, on a, just a very simple Evo site basis. Um, you, you have an advantage when you travel abroad. Now, it's really nuanced, though, because as James just said, it depends where you go. It depends on your background, the way you look, your ethnicity, all of these different things and what the, the women were in the place where you're going to like. But I mean, you know, we, we've just been talking about it on the whole stream. So when I went to Russia, for example, I was getting very, very good responses for the most part in Berlin, well, not Berlin, in Helsinki. OK, let's say in Berlin. In Berlin it's not that I get bad responses, but the responses are somewhat more muted. I don't get the same exotic value when I'm in Berlin as I do as when I'm in, in, in Moscow. So it's you, it's not a simple statement of like, oh, there's a, there's a bias against tourists and non-natives. In some places, it's a valuable thing, depending on where the non-native is from. In other places, it's neutral. And in some further places, it might even be a negative. So it, there's so many variables in this that you can't just encapsulate it in the way that you're you know, you seem to be trying to say based off 20 approaches, which isn't very many. No, I'd, I'd also say like 20 approaches. It's a it's a very it's a wheat waffles piss take of a sample size. Let's be honest. You know, it's like the equivalent of one Tinder study. It's not you, you need to be. We always say the first 150 approach you do, you throw that away as in that's just you going through the motions. It's not even counting those when you first start learning this as a skill well, set. It depends. It, it depends where he went. It depends. I mean, there's so many just. There's so many facts here because if you're getting, if you're, if you don't know what you're doing where you live normally and you go abroad expecting it to be easier, it's not going to be necessarily easy. You might get a bit more of an in. I mean, yeah, there's just, again, it's such a general, we need specifics like what do you like, like, look like, what your social skills like, where are we approaching, what time of day, how are you approaching? It's just, it's too general to just dismiss traveling as, a, as an entire concept. Um, I strongly suspect. I mean, it's not it's not Miss Marvel either. You know, we're not running a detection a detective agency. Um, I yeah. strongly suspect it was Colonel Mustard who wasn't getting laid in the library. What was that? What that was the guy used to come back and always like pretend the crime wasn't solved, and then just just as he's walking out the door, he'd go, "One more thing." Yeah, Columbo, yeah. that was it. He'd come round yeah, and just yeah. 
thing. It'd be like, just tell me something before I go. And then it's solve the crime. And then they'd all be standing there going, oh my God, he's got it. Um, get in touch, Alex, Alexis, and we'll have, I'll have a free chat with your Troy Will and we can map out what type of girls you like um, and just give you advice on where you should travel to if you do like traveling, which is sounds like you do if you've got recent travel experience. No charge for that. We want guys to do well. Travel is the elixir of life. I kind of feel every single live stream we should be doing moving forward should be us. We should set up a travel agency say, called Troy and Tusk Travel. And it should be us, you know, being able to get guys discount flights or recommend where to actually go. Because traveling with this stuff, honestly, it's just you're playing in the Champions League. It's so fun. Myself and Mr. Francis had an absolute blast the last few months. Not a kind of year of an end of year review way, but just had an absolute blast traveling around these places, these ridiculous places like Ekaterinburg, Moscow, Helsinki, Kazan. I mean, it was just fucking, it's just something you must do as a man. You must do it. You must get on a plane. You must experience what's outside of the place you were born. You know, it will make you a better human. It will give you more dating options. You will live a better, happier, more fulfilled life. There's no way around it. You must try it. If you don't like it, luckily, you can just book a flight back home. So there's really no downside. There's only an upside, like many things in life we don't do, but we think about doing. Absolutely. So, Norwich, Norwich will still be there. Norwich will still be there. Butlins will still be there. Hull, the local, you know, the local boozer. Yates. Yates on the front. He's not going anywhere. Can you imagine Yates on a Friday in a hole? Where the fucking talent on <laughs> <laughs> the talent on show? Can you imagine? And there are there are day game coaches who are offering training in you know these outposts in the UK now. So that is true. Actually, we uh, a, an acquaintance of ours um, who we know. If you're looking to pull the hottest of women in either Norwich or Reading or Birmingham in the rain and the Curry Mile. Or possibly Hull, some classy venues like Hull. Get in touch. I'll pass you his details and you can charge off and uh, have some fun. Or maybe you think, actually, you know what? For the price of a pint in Hull and a, and a weekend in Hull, staying in a shitty travel lodge, approaching absolute buffaloes, I could fly to Kiev and chase around long-legged gazelles all day with the boys. If that sounds slightly more appealing, I'm not sure why it would. But if it does, then maybe drop us an email and we'll have a chat. and. Possibly see you there end of September, the 30th of September to the 3rd of October. A couple of spaces remaining. Um, yeah, exciting times all around. It's been good catching up, Mr. Francis. What are the rest of your plans for this fine day? Um, life admin, really. Yeah, I have much that. life admin to do. I have to write a speech for this guy for his for his uh, for his wedding, which will be interesting. And I have general tax matters to attend to and various life admins as well, which is the unsexy stuff that must be done and that allows us then to live this lifestyle of charging around. But you're actually potentially off to Mother Russia. Yes, indeed. Indeed. We will see tomorrow. You'll see you'll see tomorrow on social media. If, I if that does happen, then and if anyone is in Russia watching this and you want to meet the man himself, Mr. Francis, get in touch with either myself or, or Troy and... I mean, we're we're relatively, despite not speaking Russian, I'd say we're relatively well-versed on where to go now yes. in places like Yekaterinburg, in St. Petersburg, in Moscow. So 
might be worth you meeting up with Troy and doing some charging around, finally getting some feedback on some approaching if it's something you're interested in, or the frustration of seeing many a stunner, especially in somewhere like Russia, and not being able to approach. I mean, that is the reason I got into cold approach. That frustration of seeing absolute worldies around me and not being able to do anything about it and, and knowing that I couldn't fucking fool myself and I'd go home and furiously masturbate to Pornhub and it was a very, very uh, long, dark years in brackets of the soul. And, but there's no way around it other than realizing you have to front up and learn how to talk to these people. They are human beings. They're merely born looking good. They're not to be feared. As Russell Brown once said, we're all just globules of flesh waiting around, or walking around waiting for our turn to die. <laughs> and on that cheery note, we should get him on the stream, shouldn't we? Yeah, the problem is now he's gone all holier than now, hasn't he? He'll, he'll, he'll probably yeah. be very anti. He'll be like, nah, never really was into that sex stuff, even though he's having ridiculous orgies in, in his no, bar. Lads. Yeah. No, lads. Sans, it's all wrong. It's all wrong, lads. But you actually you actually met him, didn't you, once upon a time? Uh, yeah, I, I have, but uh, I, I can't talk about that on uh, public. That makes media. it sound very, that's the open loop. Now everyone's going to be emailing, going, wow, what the fuck? <laughs> I've met him a couple of times. What can I say? He's a good guy. He's yeah. Good guy. So I've heard. So I've heard. Um, yeah, nothing else to say. Get in touch if you're interested in Kiev. That's the next big one. Um, and until another time, we will see you soon. Bye-bye.